and welcome to the Andy Mazur Podcast. I am Andy, and we appreciate you being here. Remember, please hit the subscribe button if you like what you're hearing, wherever you might be listening across the many different podcasting platforms, including Google, Spotify, Anchor, and of course, Apple Podcasts. I've also created a YouTube page. You can search the Andy Mazur Podcast there for video trailers of each week's podcast, and I appreciate you checking us out. Podcast is sponsored by Roots Pizza with four convenient Chicago area locations. There's sure to be a Roots Pizza near you. Stop in for Quad City style pizza with a sweet malted crust. And don't forget to order the mozzarella sticks. They are unforgettable and I think they're life changing. For more information, head to rootspizza.com. My guest today is somewhat of a controversial figure these days. Tom Brenneman was the television voice of the Cincinnati Reds until September of 2020 when he resigned his post. This was a month after he was initially suspended when a hot mic caught him uttering an anti-gay slur. Brenneman also lost his job with Fox Sports, where he called NFL, MLB, and NCAA games since 1994. We'll find out what he's been doing here in the last 20 or so months and what his plans are for the future. Tom Brenneman, my guest on this edition of the Andy Mazur Podcast. Enjoy. This is the Andy Mazur Podcast. That ball is drilled. Justin Fields making magic happen. Kershaw got free. Walks into the net. Ball for Caruso. It is gone. Triple, double, and the Caruso. It's gone. Touchdown. <laughs> now, here's Andy. And welcome in to the Andy Mazur Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined by Tom Brenneman. Tom has been around the Major Leagues for a long time, and of course, uh, 20 months ago, an unfortunate situation happened, and now uh, Tom is kind of on the outside looking in again. And I'm just kind of asking you, what have, what have the last 20 months been like? I mean, you're used to being busy, especially during baseball season, and you're used to being on the air. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, obviously, I wish uh, Andy, uh, like you, a long, long time and play by play and did a great job at it. You know, I tried my best for a long, long time, felt like I had some good moments and not so good moments. But, you know, ever since that happened, it was almost at least the, the first year of it was a, was uh, in many, many ways a blessing in disguise. Our daughter was a senior in high school. I got to go do all the things that I more than likely would have been unable to do, or at least the overwhelming majority of that. I'd have been in her graduation, but all the things around that. And then our son um, is a high school athlete and last year uh, was a goalie on a state championship, uh, our high school lacrosse team. And so I got to go to every single game. My wife and I got to have our first summer together since we got married 21 years ago, uh, where I wasn't gone all the time and she wasn't here with the kids when I was gone all the time. So there were a lot of good things. Uh, having said all that, you know, I, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, maybe I'll get another shot at it one of these days. Uh, you can sit around and get uh, angry about it. You can get mad about it. You can get pissed about it. You can do all those kinds of things. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it takes a little while to get there. But, you know, you come to understand that, that, that that's not going to do you any good. So you just have faith and, you know, believe that that um, it's part of a bigger plan and that you're going to get an opportunity because all it takes is one person to say, hey, look, you know, uh, two years is enough out of football, two years is enough out of baseball. You know, maybe we should consider giving, you know, other people, not just me, other people a second chance. I'm curious in your mind in that moment, uh, you know, you don't realize what uh, that the mic is hot and what's I mean, what emotions are going through you right at that point? Well, when it happened, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I, I, I was never one of those guys. I don't know if you were, Andy. I was never one of those guys that was on social media um, 
during the course of a game, you know, like on some chat or whatever it might be. And my partner, we were doing a game inside of a studio because we weren't traveling like most of the other announcers weren't traveling with a team. And so the team was on the road in Kansas City. We were doing it out of the Fox Sports Ohio studio in downtown Cincinnati. Um, and so I think it happened. I, I can't even remember for sure, but I think it happened in, in like the, the, the fifth or sixth inning. It was a doubleheader and it was the first game of a doubleheader. And so you know, the last uh, inning or so goes by, we finish the game, and now we've got about 30 minutes in between games, walk back in a little cubicle in the office space back there uh, to start writing down the lineups for the second game, and I get a text message from my boss with the Reds and said, you know, I had the clip on it, and said, um, th this is not good. And when I saw it, I knew right then and there that uh, – that this was not good. This was really, really bad. And so uh, we, we started the second game. I did turn my computer on to start looking at this one site. It's all anybody's talking about. I'm trying to do the game. The people at Fox, uh, Ohio, and the Reds are trying to figure out what do we do here. Um, and so finally, about the third inning, I think it was, um, I was told in between innings that you got to get out of there and off the air right now. And I had said, well, I'm not going to get off the air until I have a chance to apologize. So I did the best I could with the apology um, and, you know, walked out the door and I thought, okay, uh, this is really, really bad. Um, knew it was really bad. Hurt a lot of people um, and have come to learn how much I really hurt a lot of people in the last, you know, 20, 22 months or so. But I, I I didn't know what to think. I knew that that I was going to face some kind of disciplinary action uh, from both the Reds and from Fox doing the NFL work. Um, maybe I was naive into believing that uh, that it might be along the lines of a suspension more than a permanent firing, but that's what both of them turned into. You know, you've done a lot more than just apologize. And I, I think, you know, there's a difference between an apology just to make an apology and then there's an apology because it really it really bothers you. It hurt you knowing that you hurt other people, and you've really you've done something about it, which I think is is a lot of people don't do. You owned it. Well, you got to own it. I mean, you know, what are your two choices? I, I could have gone back, like I said, Andy. I had at the time when it happened. I had two kids in high school. Um, you know, the the things that were being said to them, the amount of hurt that that I created for my wife and for our kids, and. You know, that was the most important thing, really, for me at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, in, in, professionally in your career, you're watching it, you know, completely fall off a cliff. But, um, you know, when uh, within hours after I said what I said, there was this girl who is gay that went to high school with my daughter and she sent her this text. It said, hey, look, you know, we we don't like at all what your dad said, but you've always treated us like a million bucks. You know, we thank the world of you. Um, you know, everywhere my wife went, everywhere uh, our son playing in high school athletics, people would say stuff to him on the field. You know, I mean, it, that was the kind of stuff that really bothered me at the end of the day. You got to own it. I said it. I wish I didn't say it. I said it flippantly. Um, it's a word I've used before. I mean, I, I think anybody and it's not justifying it in any form or fashion. I think that it's probably safe to say 
that there are a lot of people in my generation where that word, you know, didn't have the impact or the meaning that it does now. Um, and, and, you know, once I started to go through uh, and sitting down and listening and talking to a lot of TQ community and, and especially a lot of uh, gay men who have really become very, very good friends. And, and look, I would have never, uh, it's not that I wouldn't have been friends with them because they were gay. I just wasn't around a lot of gay people in my life. I had a couple of gay friends I knew that, you know, suspected they were, and it turns out later they were uh, going all the way back to high school and in college. Uh, I've never had anything against anybody who's gay, uh, any racial situations, black, white, yellow, brown, nothing in my entire life. I've grown up with, with, with you know, my dad's career and being around ABA players and African-Americans. My mom was married to an African-American man. My, you know, grew up around Hispanic. I mean, I've never had any ill will towards anybody in any of those different forms that are out there. Uh, and 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 I said what I said. And I didn't mean anything by it. I've come to learn about how hurtful that word is. And there, were, there was one story in particular. I remember one of the guys that I was talking to, he was uh, uh, a young gay man living in uh, Seattle. And he was dressed up as a woman, but he said you could clearly tell it was a man. And he's going to this party. And it's in downtown Seattle. And there's a crosswalk in one of the city streets. And this pickup truck pulls up and kind of waves him through to go ahead across the crosswalk. Well, as soon as he goes across the crosswalk, the guy revs his engine, runs him over. And while the guy's there down on the street, um, he was explaining to me multiple broken bones all over his body. All of his teeth had been knocked out. And he's laying there with blood pouring out of his mouth. Um, this horrific condition, he wound up spending three and a half months in a hospital. The guy gets out of the truck. He's laying there on the ground. And he walks over to him and calls him the word that I said and spits on him and then drives around him and leaves. Well, you know, when you hear it put that way, um, if it doesn't change the way you feel about saying that word, then, then something's definitely wrong with you. And, you know, the, the blessing in disguise, as you point out, I mean, you've done a lot of work now with the LGBTQ plus community and had a chance to really react with them or actually listen to what, you know, what they've had to say about the whole thing as well. I mean, and what was the first experience of that like? I mean, because again, you pointed out that, you know, you had some gay friends, but yet you weren't going to be around that community all the time because of what we do and, yeah. and just in general, but what was that first experience like? Well, you know, the first couple of experiences were, were more just conversations, Billy Bean, not the Billy Bean, the general manager, but the Billy Bean, who's the assistant uh, to the commissioner of uh, Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball, former player with the Dodgers, young player, very successful player, uh, was gay <clears throat> at a time where you couldn't tell anybody that you were gay. He had a lot of problems, uh, which forced his career to, to come uh, to an abrupt halt as like a 24-year-old. And, you know, I talked to him for quite a while uh, in the ensuing days. Uh, he put me in contact with some other people through different channels in the gay community, uh, locally and nationally. But the one that made the biggest impact by far, uh, there, there, there's a guy here in Cincinnati whose name is Ryan Messer. He's a gay man. Him and his husband have four children. Uh, he's a uh, big executive with Johnson & Johnson. He's on the Cincinnati Public Schools Board. He is considered to be the leading voice of the whole LGBT community here in Cincinnati. And, and within 48 hours after I said what I said, he wrote a letter to the editor 
in the Cincinnati Enquirer saying that <clears throat> I should not be fired and that there is a learning moment for everybody here, for the Reds, for the gay community, for Tom Brenneman, for, you know, everybody involved. Let's make something positive out of this. And, and so I reached out to him just to say thank you. And, you know, what, what, uh, what can I do to get better? Not, not to get my job back, because that was already done. The people didn't know about it, maybe in the public that it was done, but it was done. And he invited me over to his house. Uh, it was my birthday. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was about a month after I said what I said. It was on September the 12th. Really hot day here in Cincinnati. Really hot. And he invited maybe 14 or 15 other gay voices, gay community voices, uh, in greater Cincinnati, Louisville, Columbus, Indianapolis, um, men and women all came to his house and I'm sitting on the front porch and um, I was the only one <laughs> sitting in the sun and it was a thousand degrees that day. It was in the middle of the day and, and, uh, and to listen to what that word meant to the people um, that were there there were of the 15, there were 12 who uh, were open-minded into me being there, giving me a chance to listen um, and to learn and to grow a little bit. There were three that, uh, you know, I mean, they, they, they looked at me and they, they called me a fraud and told me I was just checking boxes for being there and I don't know about you, Andy, but, you know, I haven't been a lot of places in my life where I got people looking at me and calling me a fraud and a lot of other bad names and, and just staring you right in the eye and just saying, I think, you know, this is a joke. Uh, you don't care at all about the gay community. You're just trying to check a box and get your job back. Um, and it was uh, it was a rough day. I mean, it, I was here for about, I don't know, two and a half, three hours. And uh, I came back home and my wife. Uh, was going to throw a surprise party for me that night at our house. And we still had some friends over, couples over. But it was a uh, it was a very moving experience that day. I'm curious about Ryan Messer as well, because I'm reading a lot about him and just the fact that, as you mentioned, yeah. he writes the, uh, the letter to the editor and says really that, you know, nobody with the Reds asked them what they felt, you know, as the, as the people that were offended, uh, what they thought yeah. they should do as far as you were concerned. I mean, Somewhere does it does it bother you that the Reds weren't, you know, more supportive and Fox wasn't more supportive in that case and maybe working with and like you mentioned earlier, you know, maybe a suspension. See how you handle things and you know, obviously from the way you have handled things, it, it looks like you've handled them well. Well, 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 thanks. I mean, I, you know, look, I'm not going to sit here and, and pat myself on the back that I've been like some leader in the LGBT community here in Cincinnati. That's not the case. It, it's more the case of my mind. And, and has been subjected to their voice that deserves to have a voice and what it's like to try and walk in their shoes. I'll never be able to walk in a gay man's shoes. I'm not gay. I'll never be able to walk in a black man's shoes. I'm not black. But I can at least try and listen and grow and learn a little bit. Um, you know, the, the thing you find out through all of this um, that is maybe the most interesting of all of it is that you have corporations out there 
and in this case, media companies out there that are run by straight, white, or African-American men and women. Not every position. I'm not, in, I'm not implying that. But I mean the very, very top who could say, okay, let, let's, let's give somebody, in my case, another chance. Whether it's coming off a suspension, whether it's let's suspend him for a year and bring him back next year, whatever it might be. A lot of those people think they know what's best for fill in the blank. They know what's best for the gay community. They think they know what's best for the African-American community. They think they know what's best for the Hispanic community. And yet they really don't ask those people what they think maybe is the best. Now, do I think for a second that every single gay man or woman out there would be supportive of me getting another chance or getting my old job back? Of course not. There are thousands, maybe millions, I don't know, thousands that are very hurt um, about what I said and should be. Now, um, you know, the red thing, I mean, you know, Fox is in a little bit different situation. It's a network. It's a, it's an international company. Um, you know, maybe some of the pressures on them, whatever it might be, you know, maybe you say, okay, well, um, you, you move on from that one, but the reds, I mean, they really know you. I mean, I think Fox really knows me. I was there for 24 years since the day they started in 1994. Um, and so I think your body of work over that amount of time, and in my case with the Reds, it was my second go around here. My father was an announcer for the Reds for 47 years. Um, you know, there was a long, long track record there for all of us. And I, I uh, really believed that um, I would have a chance to come back and work for them in the 2021 season. Um, and it, it just didn't happen. And so you know, um, you move on. It's all you can do. You have to just move on and, and, uh, and, and can't sit around and, and, and feel sorry for yourself or be mad at anybody. I mean, what good is it going to do me or my family or anybody else who spends five minutes around me during the course of a day to walk around and sit around and badmouth the Cincinnati Reds or badmouth their ownership or badmouth Fox Sports? Those people were good to me for a long, long, long time. It enabled me to live a dream and a life that only most people could ever dream about. So I had all those things. And so they had to do what they have to do. And, you know, you, you got to move on. You know, this is kind of a, a society that we live in that, uh, you know, obviously they, they don't forget. Yeah. But a lot of times they will forgive, especially yeah. with the way that that individual goes about the way that he tries to uh, repair him, not I guess repair image is kind of a bad way to put it, but to, to, the way you go about trying to get back into... No, that's the way to put it. Okay, I mean, but I, I think that, you know, there's two ways to go. I mean, there's one way, it could be the, the angry person could be like, you know, screw this, screw that, screw, you know, and then the way you go. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering in your mind, if you think now in this second chance society, the way you handle things, and again, it's not a situation you ever want to be in, you, you know, obviously you wouldn't want to be in it in the first place, but do you yeah. think that there will come a time that someone will say, Tom, you, you've, you've done your thing. You know, you've paid your, you, you've paid your, uh, your dues here again. We want you to come back. We want you to go ahead and do this. 
Andy, I would like to tell you that, uh, look, you, you can't have anything if you don't have faith and you don't have hope, because you have to have those things to just keep going in life. I mean, people who are, you know, doing things and going places that none of us ever want to go. I mean, really dark places. They don't have faith. They don't have hope. I have both of those things. Having said that, um, as you and I sit here uh, in the final days of March in 2022, I show and feel uh, I don't see very little of that ability to forgive so far. Now, do I think it'll change? I think and I hope and I pray that it'll change. Uh, do I see any hint of that right now um, from a, from a uh, network television level to a uh, major league baseball uh, broadcast level, local level, whether it be radio, television, whatever it might be? Uh, don't see it so far. Um, you know, I, the, the people during this whole thing, the only people that bother me are the ones that, and, and there were two articles that were written. There was one last week written by Sid Ziegler, who I've become very good friends with in OutSports. He's considered uh, the leading voice of the gay community of uh, collegiate athletes, especially Olympic athletes. He's a gay man, lives in Los Angeles, went to Stanford, was a great athlete. He and I got together within a month after I said what I said, and we've become good friends. And, and he wrote this article. Um, he wrote this article that, you know, basically sort of documented what happened. Uh, went back and talked to a, a, a high school friend of mine who was gay, who had recalled me kind of standing up for him when we were kids and, and some of the people in more recent times in and around baseball, in and around Cincinnati, um, in the gay community about some of the stuff that I've tried to do. He always has to go back. Whoever writes an article like that has to go find somebody that disagrees with that point of view. It's just balanced reporting. It's being fair. It's fine. Um, but the ones that, 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 uh, that I just, I say to myself, and I said this when I talked to Sid after the article came out, I said, man, how about the city councilman there in Cincinnati, Reggie Harris, who is, uh, was one of the guys that day on the porch of the scenario we were talking about earlier, who just, I mean, this guy, he just let me have it unlike anybody else in my life. And look, he's allowed to have his opinion. That's fine. No problem. I get it. But when they make when I see or hear people make the comment about anybody, not just me, I'm talking about anybody across the board, where they say, you know what, there is just no forgiveness there whatsoever. I say to myself, and I said to Sid, I said, could you imagine being that kid's child? Could you imagine being that, that, that guy's best friend? I mean, if his best friend or his kids made a terrible mistake, whatever it might be, you know, no forgiveness. And, and the way that he, he wasn't just talking about me, he was talking about people who have done the same thing that I've done. So that means every single one of them across the board, he has no forgiveness for. And I tell you, I, I feel sorry for those people. I feel really badly for them because, um, man, if uh, I think we've all been forgiven for many, 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 many things each and every day of our lives. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like going to the play with an own two count. I mean, you get one strike and that's it. Yeah. And it's, it, it, you yeah. know, it's it's tough to wrap your head around too. And I'm I'm curious too. I mean, have you learned 
some things about some people that you thought were were close friends or were, were people that uh, you know you could confide in that either went one way or the other or some people that you didn't ever expect to hear from in your entire life you heard from? Yeah, I mean, the one guy that surprised me that, that, that most people who if, that are watching this podcast or listening to the podcast, the one guy that, that has, has just completely uh, out of the blue – I, I've known him since I was, I, I met him when, when I think I was first eight or nine years old, is Bob Costas. Now, he was announcing the ABA. My dad was announcing the ABA. He was doing the St. Louis Spirit. My dad was doing the Virginia Squires. Off they go on their respective careers. We go to Cincinnati. Bob goes off to NBC. Bob would start doing the NBC Game of the Week. Uh, every blue moon, I'd run into him. I, I talked to him for a while at the Super Bowl, going all the way back to 89 when the Bengals played the 49ers. I'd see him in more recent years since he came back and started doing stuff for MLB. I'd see him at a game here, a game in Boston, uh, was most recent. But after everything happened, I, I'm not a friend of Bob Costas I, I, in any form or fashion. I think the world of him, he's an incredibly talented guy. He's always treated me like a million bucks and didn't have to. I'm talking about when I was a kid, kid. And um, he has just been fantastic. Um, he had called the Chicago Cubs, unbeknownst to me, when their television job opened up a year ago um, and, and <clears throat> had shared with Tony Petiti and a couple other guys and, and a couple guys he knew well at, at Marquee that, that he thought that they should hire me and bring me back there. And, and obviously that didn't happen. But, but he's a guy that really surprised me. Of course, there are always people who, um, you know, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, that there are always going to be people who, I'm not going to say you thought they were your friends. They are, they are still your friends. But, you know, maybe asked him, hey, out picking up the phone and, and, and calling somebody on my behalf, or would you think about saying something to our old boss at fill in the blank? Um, and, you know, maybe they'll, they'll be uh, uh, incredibly reluctant to do it. Uh, and, and look, Andy, it's a climate we're in. It's like you just said. Um, you know, you go back to the when the whole uh, situation started uh, in the United States, uh, I, I think if you really had to pinpoint one event, I think the George Floyd uh, situation and the horrific George Floyd situation that took place in Minneapolis, I think in so many different ways, it changed so many different things. And, you know, the, the word woke is used all the time now or cancel culture, whatever it might be. Those things are very much alive. I mean, if anybody believes out there that there's not a, such a thing as cancel culture, they're walking around with their heads stuck in the sand. I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for me, not in one form or fashion. There are children, people, animals in the world to feel bad for. I am definitely not one of them. But having said that, I mean, the cancel culture in the United States is very much alive and well. And, 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 and I've come to truly believe the more and more I sort of pay attention to how it's playing out in the lives of other people, not just me, but in other people. I, I think that the overwhelming majority of people in this country, and I'm talking, I mean, if I had to put a percentage of it, I'd put like, like 90%. They've had it. They've had it with this cancel culture thing. And, and, but there is still enough pressure out there on these corporations and I feel bad for them. 
I mean, a lot of these people that are running these corporations that are having to make some of their decisions, that's not what they want to do. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of these people are good people and have good hearts. And they're like, man, you know, maybe they got a second chance. Maybe they got a third chance. Maybe they got a fourth chance. And, and they'd be willing to give a second chance or a third chance. But there's so much pressure they're facing from so many different areas and outlets that I think oftentimes it's making it tough for them to do that. Let's talk about support, too, because uh, I'm recently finding out, you know, going through some things that it's great to have people that are really close to you. Uh, my fiance is it's changed my way of thinking about a lot of things, because I used to be one of those guys that would be like, grumble, grumble, grumble and get get angry about things. <laughs> and, you know, now it's yeah. kind of like, all right, I'm taking a step back and realizing that I've got I've got teammates. I mean, I imagine that's yeah. huge in your life these days as well with with your family and the way they have uh, have supported you through this as well. Oh, no doubt. I mean, my wife has just been, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's indescribable. Um, you know, not, not that she, look, look, nobody's wife is going to leave him because that's not what I'm implying, but I'm just saying to be able to sit around some days when, and she and I were just talking about this yesterday, where you know, she's taken this a lot harder than I am and wondering about, okay, well, what's going to happen in the future? And we thought we might do this. And now, you know, we got to think about this, or maybe we got to think about that or whatever it might be. And, and I always try and stay pretty upbeat about it. Hey, it's going to work out. God's got a plan. It's, it's going to work out. This is all going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to sit around and worry about it. I'm going to do the best I can to try and go out there. And, you know, th this past fall, I uh, got involved with a streaming service here in Cincinnati and broadcasting high school football every Friday night. Just got finished with the high school basketball, Ohio high school basketball tournament, doing a lot of those district championship games and regional championship games and all that kind of thing. Loved every minute of it and grateful I'm getting a chance to even do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, starts with her. And then I'm really, really lucky, Andy, living uh, here in Cincinnati in this, this tiny little town. We live in just about 20 minutes outside of downtown where uh, really, really good friends, really good friends and uh, and and guys that, you know, if you, if you need to talk to them about anything in the world, they're there for you. Uh, my dad certainly falls into that category. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, he would never, ever say that I embarrassed him. Um He's no different. I'm a father. I, you know, if my kid did something, I mean, you love them. They're your children, no matter what, you know, through thick and thin. And, and, and so, um, you know, he's been easy to talk to about some of this stuff and, you know, gets excited for me, gets bummed out for me. If it looks like something might happen, all of a sudden it kind of falls through. And so I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world in that regard. No doubt about it. And our kids have been awesome. They, they've never gotten uptight about it. I'll hear about it. You know, my son will come back from playing his lacrosse game and he'll say, Dad, you wouldn't believe what these guys were saying about you back there. You know, I'm like laughing and we're, we're it, it's funny. And, but, but sometimes it hurts him. I mean, sometimes it hurts um, when, you know, somebody will say, oh, your dad, boy, he's really doing great things. I, I saw he's announcing the Mason High School football game the other night. Well, you know. Uh, I wasn't doing any Mason high school football games uh, up until about a year and a half ago, but it's something and I enjoy it. Yeah. Let me ask you about that too, because uh, you know, we, we do these things for so long and it becomes such a routine and it becomes, Hey, I got to get ready for yeah. the, the, the bears Falcons. So I got to get ready for the reds and cubs. I mean, and it becomes so, this is my job. This is my job. This is my job. Whether you love it or not, I know you love it, but does that bring back the, just the, the sheer, pure love of calling yes. games? Without a doubt. 
And, and, um, you know, part of the, the, the uh, baseball, like, you know, and football and basketball, whatever sport you're doing is, is, uh, I really enjoyed not as much baseball in the recent years because the players I think became harder to talk to and kind of be around and, and the pandemic hit and I made it of course impossible. But in football, we were very lucky in that you would ask ahead of time, uh, when you were going in to do the bears and Falcons and, you know, you'd ask for the bears head coach your quarterback, their defensive coordinator, maybe a linebacker, whatever it might be. And they'd come in, you get a chance to meet these guys from all different walks of life. Um, incredible stories. And so this year during high school football, um, I was doing all teams in greater Cincinnati and high school football, like a lot of other places, but here it's just insane. Uh, how many pro players come out of here, um, and great college players. So I, I would go to, you know, if I was doing uh, Mason against Anderson, two high schools here in town, I, I'd go to Mason's practice on a Wednesday and meet with their coach. And I'd be sitting in a room, it, you know, it, it was, uh, it was almost like out of body kind of thing where I'd be sitting in a room with, you know, Mason would have seven or eight coaches on their staff. And I could just feel all these guys just staring at me going, this is the same dude who sat in the same room with Tom Brady or, you know, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers or fill in the blank, anybody, right? Bill Belichick. And now he's in here talking to us, you know, as high school football coaches. And I got the biggest kick and we'd laugh and I'd make a joke about it. And then the next thing you know, we're talking about football. And, you know, what are they trying to do? And meeting a couple of the kids and all that kind of thing. And so it was, uh, yes, the routine of it was was great to get back and do it again. And it truly was the love of just sitting down and uh, and doing an event. I did the uh, four games in one day at the University of Cincinnati two weeks ago for uh, the Southwest Ohio District Championships. And, 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 and of the eight teams that were playing there that day, you know, there, there were probably 15, 17, 18 guys that are going to play major D1 basketball. And you're just sitting there watching it. And you're sitting right on the floor. And it's like, this is just incredible. It's fun to be around it again. More of our conversation with Tom Rudiman coming up in just a moment right here on the Andy Mazur Podcast. The Andy Mazur Podcast is sponsored by Roots Pizza, part of the 5050 Group. With four locations throughout the city of Chicago, South Loop, Old Town, Lincoln Square, and the flagship restaurant in West Town. Roots features Quad City-style pizza with the ingredients on top of the cheese, and it's cut into strips. The crust is malted for that hint of sweetness with every bite. Don't forget to order the mozzarella sticks. They are simply life-changing. Roots is open for dine-in and carry-out. For the restaurant location near you, head to rootspizza.com or download their app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Roots Pizza, take it from me. It's so good. The Andy Mazer Podcast. Now, back to Andy. I want to talk about your career, too, because you, know, you, you've had the opportunity to be around some great people and some very legendary guys in the broadcast world. You know, starting with your your time here in Chicago with with Harry Carey and and our our mutual dear, uh, dear departed friend Ron Santo, I'm yeah. just curious what that first experience was like when you get to go into the you come to the big leagues. You're in a big city like Chicago, uh, and here's Harry Carey and here's Ron Santo and here's everybody. You know, it's funny um, uh, when I was growing up as a kid and. 
my dad got the job with the Reds in 1974, and we were living in Virginia Beach, Virginia at the time. And so my sister and I were going to finish elementary school, or so we thought at the time. We were going to finish elementary school in, uh, in Virginia Beach and then move to Cincinnati after school got out. And we go to spring training with the Reds in 1974. So this is a year before, you know, the big red machine wins back-to-back world championships. And I remember walking in the, uh, the Reds clubhouse at Al Lopez field in Tampa, Florida. It's where the Reds used to, used to train. And the first four people I met that day were Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, Pete Rose, and Tony Perez. Each of them handed me a glove, handed me a bat, handed me a hat. They're in the locker room. Uh, as my dad's first two weeks on the job, once we got back to Cincinnati, I was allowed to go in the clubhouse every single day. And the days that I would go down there and nights I'd go down there with my dad, that meant getting to the ballpark. We'd walk into Sparky Anderson's office, who was the manager of the team, sit around his office for 45 minutes. Him and my dad chain smoking cigarettes, sitting in there and talking about baseball. Nobody was better than Sparky. He was the greatest of all time. And, uh, and, and then I could go in the clubhouse. I could... I mean, I knew all these guys, the guys I just mentioned, you're throwing Dave Concepcion and Ken Griffey Sr. and all these, all on a first name basis. I was not allowed to go in the press box. So I give all that background leading up to all these great announcers would come into Cincinnati and I could not go up there and sit in the press box with my dad. I could go in the manager's office and the clubhouse, but couldn't go in the press box. That was a rule. So I really did not know a lot of these announcers. Some of them I would, I would talk to from time to time. Milo Hamilton had a chance to meet him a number of times and that kind of thing. But I make the point, when I get the Cubs job, now fast forward years later, and it's 1990, and I'm 25 years old and get the Cubs job at WGN, I really didn't know much at all about Harry Carey. I mean, I, I had seen him when I was living in college and I went to school with a bunch of guys who were from Chicago. And, and one of those years was 1984 when the Cubs won the Eastern Division Championship. And that was all the rage and Harry is going crazy and all that kind of so, but I, but I never really knew him. And, and to be around him, I mean, the first day, uh, Harry was just unbelievable, took me under his wing and knew I was this young single guy and really didn't know many people in Chicago. Stoney in a very different way, sort of like an older brother took me under his wing and, you know, this sort of thing. And he was single and all this kind of, and then Santo was, um, you know, Andy, I don't need to tell you, but, um, I mean, you know, funny, fun to poke at, um, uh, emotional Italian, tough, um, but the most beautiful man that I've ever been around in my life. And, um, and those were six phenomenal years, um, in that job before I left to go to Arizona. Uh, but those, those were just incredible announcing the games. I mean, you're announcing the games, you're at Wrigley, you're doing the Cubs. I mean, it goes without saying, but, but being around them and getting to know those guys individually very well. Um, was just the greatest blessing you could ever ask for. The, the things you learned off the field, the things you learned in the booth. Um, I thought I knew a little bit of something about baseball. I knew nothing about baseball compared to sitting next to Steve Stone. I mean, this guy 
I mean, I, I just sit back and listen during a game and I think to myself, good Lord, do I have any chance of being any good at this job? Because he just said five things and I didn't know <laughs> a damn thing about any of them. Um, it was, uh, it was so much fun. Great time. And you mentioned your dad who was at it for a long, long, long yeah. time. Uh, legendary Marty Brenneman. How's he doing in, in retirement? I saw him the last time I saw him was just before things got shut down. He came to Arizona and I was working a game with Darren Jackson in the White Sox booth, and he came in to say hi and kind of went out of his way to come up and, and say hello uh, and, and looked like he was having the time of his life, and it wasn't even that long into retirement. He's having a great time, and he's not missed it for one second. Um, not one. He spends most of his time here in Cincinnati. He, um, he is still on, you know, sort of a, uh, an ambassador's role with the Reds, so – this year, he was supposed to go out to Arizona. He ended up going out to Arizona, but the lockout had shut everything down. So he was out there for a little while this winter. But now he's back, and he'll he'll be at every single one of our son's lacrosse games this entire season. They just started their season a week and a half ago. I just saw him the other day. Uh, they played their most recent game on Sunday, and so he comes to all of those. And, um, you know, he, he's married now for the third time, and the third time's a charm. He's having a great time, and they travel all over and, and, and go to different places, but he has loved retirement. He doesn't miss it at all. And I'll always, you know, kind of ask him maybe, you know, once during the baseball season or twice, hey, you know, you wish you were kind of back in there for a game or two or whatever. He's like, not for a second. So he's healthy, thank God, and doing good. Yeah, please tell him we said hello. He's uh, one of the we'll best, one of great guy as well. Uh, as we kind of wrap it up here, I, I just want to give you a chance to again, if, if there's a message that you want to get out there. I mean, because again, I you know we know each other, we don't know each other all that well, but we've been around each other quite a bit yeah. of time, and you know, I I don't see you as somebody that's uh, you know out to get anybody or out uh, as you pointed out much earlier in our in our talk here. Uh, what what is your message? I mean, is there something that you want to get out there to to folks that are thinking? All right, well, this another one of these guys who's out here trying to, you know, rectify the situation so he can get back into what he was doing. Uh, what, do you, what do you want to say to those people? Oh, you know, I, I really don't have some, some grand message. I, I would just ask people, have you ever made a mistake in your life at your very worst moment, whatever that is? And, and look, a lot of us, Lord knows, I was never a perfect broadcaster. I've never been a perfect human being. I mean, I make mistakes every day, all day. Um, I would just ask the people if there was ever someone in their lives that ever made a mistake or in their lives did they make a mistake where there was somebody that said to them, hey, you know what, let, let, let's, let's don't let this happen again, but let's, let's move forward and let, let's give you another chance to get this right. And I don't mean just for me. It doesn't have to be some mistake. I mean, I, I feel just as bad for guys like you, Andy, who, you know, you're working for a team. The radio station had the rights to the games. All of a sudden, the radio station loses the rights to the games, and you're not employed by the team. So now all of a sudden on a whim uh, because somebody paid a little bit more money than somebody else to get this job or, or to get that the rights to those games, you're out of a job. And – I, mean, I always I always have, even before I was in this situation, I, I, I've always really rooted for people out there to, to get a shot, whether it's their first shot or second shot or fifth shot. You know, just um, you got to keep going. And whenever you do make a mistake, 
you, you said it earlier, you know, you got to own it. You, you got to look it right in the eye. You can't run and hide from it unless you got a gazillion dollars and you want to go buy some island and just fade away and never worry about it again. Um, I don't want the rest of my life or career to be defined by a lot of people as being a homophobe. But that's what I've tried to explain to my kids is that there are going to be people and I've had a hard time coming to grips with this because I know I am not a homophobe. I know I'm not. Right. But I used a word that can put me in that category. And some people are never going to let me out of that category. I can't spend the rest of my life worrying about those people. I wish they didn't feel that way. And I know I'm not a homophobe, but you got to move on and just keep doing the best you can. It's all you can do. Well, Tommy, keep uh, doing the best you can. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time here. I know it's been uh, a, a, a tough 20 months for you as far as just everything that's going on. But, uh, you know, nah. hey, the way you handle it, I, you know, I, I, I respect the way you've handled it. And I think that, you know, not that my opinion means the, the most of anybody's, but, you know, just to be out there and sure it does. to be able well, to be able to, you know, to connect with the people that you feel and that they feel have hurt you, you've hurt or they've been hurt by you, uh, you know, going right to the source, yeah. trying to figure out exactly what you can do to, you know, to make things better and to make yourself better. I think I, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty admirable. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Andy, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. It's good catching up with you again. And a big thanks to Tom Renneman for taking some time out of his schedule to join us here on the Andy Mazur podcast. We'll come back to wrap things up here in just a moment. The Andy Mazur podcast is sponsored by Roots Pizza, part of the 5050 group with four locations throughout the city of Chicago, South Loop, Old Town, Lincoln Square, and the flagship restaurant in West Town. Roots features quad city style pizza with the ingredients on top of the cheese and it's cut into strips. The crust is malted for that hint of sweetness with every bite. Don't forget to order the mozzarella sticks. They are simply life-changing. Roots is open for dine-in and carry-out. And for the restaurant location near you, head to rootspizza.com or download their app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Roots Pizza, take it from me. It's so good. This is the Andy Mazur Podcast. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the Andy Mazur Podcast, sponsored by Roots Pizza. Head to rootspizza.com for more information. I would really like to thank Tom Brenneman once again for joining us here today. We also invite you to hit that subscribe button wherever you're hearing the podcast so I know you're out there and enjoying what you're hearing. If you do want to get in touch, head to the Facebook page, the Andy Mazur Podcast, and then you can leave a comment right there. Also, we're on YouTube with clips and highlights of each episode of the podcast. That's it for this episode. A big thanks to our big voice man, Big Earn, and he's always helping us out, and we appreciate that. And thanks again to Tom Brenneman for joining me here today, and mostly thanks to you for listening. Until next time, it's Andy Mazur saying, play nice, kids. Take care. Andy Mazur. Thank you.